Hello, namaste, and welcome, people. This is Asha, and you're listening to Education and Activism: The Green Essay by Onthropedia, an initiative by Saint Xavier's eCell Hub, where we bring you personalities that inspire. Today, we have with us an exciting personality who is actively engaged in contributing towards climate change through the medium of education. Being exposed to this issue of climate change at a very personal level. she has been constantly seeking for an opportunity to make a collective difference by the means of their initiative she is the co-founder of terra.co and is connecting with us all the way from hawaii dr kamal kapadia hello ma'am hi asher it's great to be here and it is a pleasure from my side to have you on air and i'm confident about having an insightful conversation to begin with you were a fellow xaviorite so how did your experience as a xaviorite help you to metamorphize into a person you are today uh, that's a great question and i want to say um that i am so incredibly grateful for my education and my time at xavier's even after all these years i just remember it very very fondly it's very precious to me really the time i spent there um you know the the thing that kind of got me to this point is really uh, i started off with an interest in service so i didn't start off thinking i was going to build a business or i was going to be an entrepreneur I came to Xavier's and I I actually got connected to this group called AYBI. I don't know if it still exists, Association of Youth for a Better India, which is like kind of a spin-off from ISEC, I think. And um it does, it I, does I I I actually came to Xavier's. I was already very interested in environmental issues and at the time there was no program in the whole country that um offered like an undergrad in environmental sciences, but I found the I found that at Xavier's they had this BSc in life sciences and they had a few environmental courses and so I thought this is the right spot for me. So I came because there was all that was like the closest I could find. Um it turns out I loved I enjoyed doing life sciences. I really loved everything that I learned there. Um uh, but on the side I started working with AYBI kind of as a volunteer and there were other Xaviorites as well involved in this. So we were like a nice group of friends um kind of forming friendships as we did this work. But there was across all different colleges campuses and we at that time okay this was like 19s early 1990s there was a big problem with garbage management in the city it was much worse than it is today so there were piles of garbage everywhere and we very idealistically thought that we are somehow going to solve this problem <laughs> so we that's kind of like i i spent 3 years kind of we were like trying to work with municipalities and building societies and get them to separate at source so that's sort of like i i kind of cut my teeth through that but also xavier's just generally has a culture of service like you know i remember the social services league and having friends who were part of that uh, even sort of sometimes attending some of those events and even i think of balhar almost like it's not service but it is sort of coming together to do something that's bigger like a collective enterprise collective. so all those things together i think really kind of shaped me it formed me quite substantially and honestly i think it's also the reason i managed to get a scholarship and and go to oxford like i i got a great education i got this rounded experience with all these extracurricular activities and it, it kind of allowed me to to basically go abroad and continue studying this in this field and i think that's the magic of xavier's it's like a treasure of service and community gatherings and things like this but speaking about the bmc and how you all came together to do that it, it we know how difficult it is as students to you know get in contact with the authorities get things done so how did you all manage to do it so i will say that i was not very senior in this organization there were people much smarter than me it was really tough but the thing is we decided to start with one neighborhood tough parade we decided to start with tough parade because it was like well off at the societies you know we thought we'd get a bit more response and honestly it was a ridiculous like fight i mean we we couldn't even get people 
to talk about garbage like we used to literally go society to society and some people were like a little bit open but here we were like a bunch of idealistic college students just kind of turning up trying to talk to like society leaders it was a really great experience early on in like you know what works what doesn't work lots of the learning was what doesn't work um, the thing is though like at that time uh, there was somebody kind of connected to the corporation who was a little bit more open minded about this so it wasn't that they were like yes we're going to go all the way but there was a little bit of support from them uh, you know willing to sort of message co message along with us etc so there was a little bit of support around those sides but i was at zebra obviously for 3 years you know whole undergrad and um, i kind of joined this early on first year and i was with them almost till ty like towards the end at focus on exams and stuff but um i can't say that we were like amazingly successful it's more like it was very formative for us let's just say we didn't solve bombay's garbage problem but also we <laughs> we planted a lot of seeds because now kind of separation at source is like so common across, even in pune where my parents live it's very very common the building society they separate they collect the garbage separately all the houses separate it's kind of become much more common so i would say we were kind of at the early end of this um trying early to raise end, awareness right. awareness of like what is going on i i used to give presentations what is going on at the landfill where does your garbage go that there are these children who are like rag pickers like can't we think of a better way like maybe we just hand it over to a rag pickers association the dry waste etc instead of them going to the landfill so we did a lot of awareness creation i think we kind of planted some seeds but and no in no way am i saying we'll be like successful <laughs> but that was i think the stepping stone to everything and i think at that time mumbai was kind of developing at a faster pace and that was necessity at that time So now that we know your entire context of uh, being associated with nature, climate change, and uh, garbage management and things like that, let's come to Terra dot Do. And um, Terra dot Do's website mentions transition from awareness to action. So how did from an idea to a platform it is today, Terra dot Do come into being? That's a great question. Um, so my background is, you know, generally sort of environment, uh, academia, and some amount of advocacy work. Although uh, early on in my career, I worked for Selco in India. For three years, I worked for the Selco, which is this company that does rural solar electrification. So that was also very formative for me. So I did have a little bit of startup background. Um, but um, about I would say now a year and a half ago, I was sort of transitioning out of a job that I had in Hawaii, um, and. Uh, I because I was wanting to actually interestingly I was kind of feeling very constrained like you know I live on a small island and I'm or, originally from India I live in the UK I kind of feel like I'm much more of a global person I wanted to reconnect with India as well so I was trying to find something different and um my brother-in-law actually connected me to my co-founder Anshuman who is actually a very successful tech entrepreneur so he has a very different background from me and he's a successful tech entrepreneur and interestingly 6 months prior to him getting in touch he got very interested in climate change and very concerned about it so he had spent 6 months trying to figure out what can he do how can he apply his skills and he found it to be first of all very difficult to figure this out because it's a huge space like it's it's vast and if you're coming to it from the outside it's very tough to really know what are the real issues what are the real solutions how can my skills apply and the second thing is he found it to be a lonely process because people in his kind of world were not necessarily talking about the same thing so he was kind of feeling like oh he was just kind of he didn't really have anybody to even communicate to about this stuff outside of his family. So, uh, when we got together, we thought, well, why don't we start something for people like him? 
skilled professionals who are concerned about this problem and who want to figure out how to apply their skills. So let's create a transition pathway for them. Let's build an end-to-end pathway where we provide some education, but we also build out career services and we help people achieve this transition. Now, there's all kinds of people who come to us. There are entrepreneurs, like, you know, what your club is about. There are people who want to start up things. So they, and they can be social entrepreneurs, business entrepreneurs. They come to us. There are people who are wanting to look for completely different jobs. So it's like I work in soft, I'm a coder, I work for this company. Now I want to figure out how I can apply my skills for climate and they want to switch jobs. Then there are people who actually want to change what they're doing in their current job. So it's like, well, I work in finance, but now climate is a very big issue. I want to figure out how to think about risk. So those people are not going to get out of finance, but they need some new skills to do their job differently, to think about climate now. So we get all these kinds of people. We also get some activists. We get students who are looking to apply to graduate school. So all these kinds of people, we support them through the transition pathway. And honestly, the origin story was kind of like based out of Anshuman's own experience, sort of realizing that this is a common experience. So not only do we provide these pathways, but we build community. We have a lot of emphasis on community. There's tons of stuff we do. We have a full-time community manager. Um, and our goal is to really help people connect to each other, support each other, find their co-founders, pitch their ideas, get all that feedback and interact with experts in different fields. So we, we facilitate all of that. So I think Terra is like a whole community with people from all walks of life. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? You get to interact with people from all walks of life. You get so many perspectives. And then everybody enthusiastic about climate change. I think that's the need of the hour, I would say. And we also read on your website that Terra is working towards uh, getting 100 million people working to solve climate change by 2030. What are your views on this? Well, the way we think about this is like, um, given the scale of the problem, like a quarter of GDP in some way or the form is going to have to shift in terms of where investment money is going, the transition in the energy sector, the transition in the agricultural sector. So loosely speaking, that sort of maps onto about 100 million people. So, you know, it's like, we need these many people. If this much of GDP is going to be moving, we need these many people also moving. But there's another important story here, which is, I think it is about empowering and enabling everyday people to play a part in this solution. Because honestly, and I I see this as kind of my own failing because I went from Xavier's into this Oxford uh, master's program in environmental change and management. And that was the year of the Kyoto Protocol. It's the first global agreement around climate change. So we were spending a lot of time learning about this protocol and thinking about policies and thinking about high level government. And somehow, you know, I kind of got stuck in this thinking that somehow policy is going to be enough. Like if we just put enough pressure, if we just get the analysis right, if we just show them the numbers, etc., the science, policy is going to get us there. And that I have kind of, I won't say I have lost faith because we have come a long way since that Kyoto Protocol. But it's not going to be enough, not nearly enough. We can't just sit around waiting for policy. Everybody can play a part and you can build something that can make you money and can feel meaningful and is part of the solution. So that's sort of like the other context around the 100 million number. Right, right. But then to meet the 100 million number, what do you think like Instagram, Facebook advertisements or hashtags can actually help the cause? Or is there any alternative way that you all are thinking about? Um, So, you know, literally, we want to be a platform where all kinds of climate things happen. So studios, 
incubators you know we are the talent spot like anybody in a climate company a big clean energy company looking to hire we are the go to spot because all the talent is on the platform people like vcs you know we run a course say climate camp for vcs which is going really well vcs they need expertise they're like oh i got to invest in this new battery company i need to learn something about this the, the expert is on our platform so um, we kind of basically want to be like almost an edx plus a, a linkedin plus kind of some talent service um right. plus the studio like we are the we are kind of just the platform where all of this stuff is going to be happening people will be collaborating on projects uh, people will be finding the employees people will be starting up companies etc yeah and nowadays many people are turning towards climate like people are getting active about the issues because anyways we live in mumbai and there are rains and expected rains so everybody is getting a little cautious about the environment but in this whole scenario there's this uh, rise of hypocrites and people coming up and saying that uh, the whole issue around ben shapiro and things like that So do you think hypocrisy is a part of the process or how can we even deal with such kind of content that is coming up This is a really really great question we actually have a, in our in our core course we have a whole class on climate communications because we think it's so important and there's a lot of misinformation people don't know how to make you know think about it it, it sort of depends on the context i would say like one is it's to sort of generate good content good information get it out to the right places but the other is one can counter it in social media by you know pointing it out pointing out the flaws etc but the other side of it is um sometimes if it's on a one on one conversation sometimes you just need to sit and listen to people and listen to what they're saying and then find some where you can connect because no one's going to listen to you if you come aggressively or confrontationally but is there some point of connection and then you build from there there's a professor here catherine hayo she in the us uh, she's quite a famous climate scientist she's often on the media and uh, she, this is actually her thing she's like listen like pay attention because and she's actually interestingly um i think an evangelical christian and in that in that community in the us there's been a lot of sort of uh, misinformation around climate so she so she has great personal experience of this a lot and she says you know you just kind of have to find that point of connection and then build from there so build something that you'll agree on like maybe you don't agree on climate but maybe you might think well air pollution is a bad thing you know air pollution is bad for our children like can we start from that point and then and then maybe take the conversation further like oh actually it turns out air pollution is linked to climate change as well the same sources etc so find something to connect on and then take the conversation but as you said to listen is the best way i would say and not only in the field of climate change in every field i think to listen is the best advice we could give to people um and now speaking about like um people want to engage into climate change and people want to participate as a team join the community but there are again these questions raised about job security pay scale because nowadays entrepreneurs are looking out for pay scale so what what are your views on this like how do people actually get into climate change if they think about job security and pay scale so really in the next 10 years the biggest companies are going to be the clean energy companies and the clean tech companies and they are going to be the biggest company you know some of this might just be the same companies in india like you know now the reliance is turning to turning towards clean energy whatever so the same companies might be shifting the ones who are anyway in power whatever but this shift is happening like you should see what you know finance is moving policy is moving energy sector is in transition so there are going to be these opportunities coming up and they are going to be looking for talent 
so it's all about whether you are one step ahead of everyone else and you are attractive to them or not um these companies they play they pay well i mean you know when i got started 20 years ago solar was like kind of this very sort of like small scale thing and now it's like huge business it's a huge business so they pay like a proper business like it's not you know it's not like you have to sacrifice now the question is of course in india where are things at where are the opportunities um and one can sort of you know one has to look look a little bit but they are there like even if you google like climate jobs india or clean energy jobs india you will be surprised like how much stuff is coming up finance is even shifting in india like this idea of green bonds is taking up taking up and like um it's this shift is coming i mean solar is literally cheaper than 50% of coal installed globally like solar is cheaper than coal so like it's a no brainer like the companies are shifting the power sector is shifting it's just an inevitability and then other things like uh, you know electrification of transport that's happening like companies have already big global companies have committed 100% electric by a certain year that transition is underway like therefore all the new battery technologies all the way down the supply chain to mining right now what are the new kinds of materials we need to be mining so there's no end of opportunity end to end and it is happening already so i think like this concern around is it lucrative enough etc i think it's not even really relevant anymore it's not like the ngo jobs it's just tech it's tech jobs it's entrepreneurial opportunities um, exactly. and anybody who's a yeah smart entrepreneur today i would say you should be in this area because in 10 years you are going to be the biggest thing exactly as you said there's this whole uh, thing when people are not being able to draw a line between ngos and entrepreneurship so people often mistake climate change to be a part of an ngo and i think that is where the skepticism comes in so speaking about business and entrepreneurs uh, what is the plan of terra dot to to actually uh, expand business in its uh, in 10 years from now or something like that is it, is there any initiative that you are coming up with to expand Yes, we we got we got a lot of things in the works. I mean, one of the things we're actually working on right now is um, a, a pro, you know the product and also like a big um, program around just careers, the actual career side of it. So we actually started off a little bit more on the education side, but along the way we stood up these two online like we call them climate careers fairs as just little experiments that we ran and they were quite successful. Um, and um, there you know I, there is a bit of like a I would say not exactly. There's a little bit of a talent shortage. Like, uh, for example, like just a, a week ago, I got an email from a, a pretty, a very well-established company in the U.S. and they they've developed a software that allows companies to sort of commit to certain climate goals and then kind of track where they are. So it's like a whole system. It's a whole like um, system and whole a whole product that enables companies to sort of make this transition to net zero or climate, you know, climate neutral. So. Um, and they they're very well known they're a really up and coming company and uh they are just you know hunting for just all kinds of positions and like they're reaching out to us reaching out everywhere because they they're hunting for this talent and and we see this a lot like people saying can you post this in your terra community we have these positions we have these positions so so we're going to be doing a lot more on the career side so that's one big thing where we see a lot of people coming to us and they may or may not they may take our courses they may not but there's going to be a lot of stuff going on just on career and kind of connecting talent to where it's needed 
Uh, and then on the education side, we're planning to sort of vastly expand our offerings as well. So there's a lot of new stuff kind of coming down that's more focused on corporate sustainability and um, clean energy. And, uh, and one big sector that's very interesting, by the way, is oil and gas. So we get people all the time coming to us from oil and gas and saying, one, you know, sometimes they're getting laid off and sometimes they're like, I want to figure this out and get out. And so we're actually going to be setting up an entire program for, we've got two guys from oil and gas who are setting this program up for us to help them facilitate their transition. Yeah. And, uh, but now that I've interacted with you, I think Terra is a wide range of opportunities, I think. Am I right? Because yes. you all are inclusive of everything and education is the best way possible to uh, get students or get communities to participate in the whole campaign. So now that we've come to uh, the end of the segment, I have been waiting to ask you this question. So I logged into the Terra website and I found your profile and your bio and there it was. I eat dal chawal daily. What is the whole irony behind that sentence? I mean, that <laughs> sentence is so inquisitive. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I mean, because I, you know, I am like live in Hawaii and I've lived abroad for more than half my life, but it's like my favorite food. Like, and you know, and the, the irony, is, irony is, yeah, irony is my son hates dal. He doesn't want to eat it. So I'm like, this is classic, right? Your your children <laughs> reject your own heritage, but um, he likes other Indian food, but not dal. There's just something very comforting for me to eat dal. It's like my comfort food. Like, you know, my husband is actually uh, American and for him, comfort food is like mac and cheese. Like if he's sick, his comfort food is pasta. But for me, my comfort food, if I'm sick, I just want to eat like very plain dal java. And yeah. it connects me. It connect, keeps me connected to home, you know. That's so that's really that's all, that's all. That's all it's about. <laughs> Okay, that was a super interesting conversation with Dr. Kamal Kapadia. We have learned a lot. It was insightful. We've learned about how connected we are to our nature and how can we be a part of the community to work towards climate change. And also we know for an interesting fact that in the next 10 years, climate change um, is going to be associated in the mainstream arena of careers. Well, so thank you so much, doctor, for connecting with us. It was a really interesting conversation. And yes, you eat dal chawal daily, but that's some desi tadka on the islands of Hawaii, right? <laughs> on that note, thank you so much to all my audience for lending your ears to this wonderful segment that we've had. I am Asha and this is Entrepedia. Stay tuned for more.